to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we figure out how to build and run a SaaS. I'm Brian, and Benedict is out on vacation uh, this week, so I was joined by a very special guest, one of my favorite people on the internet, Justin Jackson, and we had a great conversation, as you'll hear in just a little bit. We talked about uh, market risks, we talked about uh you know, concerns and opportunities and directions for Headlamp. Uh, it was a great conversation. Uh, I came away with a number of, of insights, takeaways, and action steps. So enjoy my conversation uh, with Justin Jackson. Welcome to Slow and Steady, Justin Jackson. Hey. Uh, but uh, something I really want to talk about mm-hmm. um, is the, I mean, you've been pounding this drum for a little while about mm-hmm how important the market is. Mm-hmm. And the like. there's a nuance I want to get into it a little bit because I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I also want to be sure that I'm not fooling myself in, the, in what I'm trying to do with Headlamp. Okay. okay. Which yep. is, I know for a fact, I know good and well that this is a market. I'm not trying to build something that somebody else has never proven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, employee engagement, employee satisfaction, happiness, surveys, um, all, all that sort of stuff that has existed for forever. And mm-hmm. every fortune 100 company on the list I, is spending big money there. It's a okay. market. Okay. Can we pause so, right there? Like, yep. how do you know that? How do you know that people want employee engagement software? Because from the years of 2006 to 2011, I did sales and marketing for a company in the employee recognition space. Okay. And we sold those programs to Fortune 100 companies. And I have friends who continue to work for those companies. And, I, and, and I've attended all the conferences. Okay. It's an so established this, this industry. Is a good so you've sold this to companies before yes okay different now now let me qualify that yeah it was a it was a different offering at a different level of the market okay can you, so it can was you much that to me sure a bit? it was much more enterprise sales um the the previous thing like we're we're you know selling a host of solutions part of which included consulting and any anything that you would, I mean, the accounts were measured in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, not like mm-hmm. 49 bucks per month per manager. It was not yeah. a SaaS offering, no. But does the market exist? Do, do businesses um, at a certain level of, of maturity start to think about how do we keep our people happy and retain them for longer so that it doesn't cost us in hiring, loss of productivity, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and is headlamp aimed at a certain size of company or a certain type of company? I, my, like my working hypothesis on that was, I think I need to go for founders at companies of, let's say between 25 and 100 employees. Um, founders who care about culture are thinking about their employees, but maybe don't have like a a completely fleshed out HR department or maybe okay. a fledgling HR department. And how do you know that uh, founders at companies 25 to 100 people want employee engagement software? I do not. 
Okay. I do not know that. Okay. So you were previously selling to bigger companies. Yep. Yep. I mean, that would be the, that would be the thing I would be worrying about, which is, so the whole idea about market and the reason I'm so interested in it is a market is just the, the sum of demand, right? It's, it's how many people are in the market, how many of them are buying, at what frequency do they buy? And it's just evidence of demand. And so my biggest question for Headlamp, like if I, if I was investing in companies, which I'm not, but if you came to me and you're like, okay, I want $100,000 or a million dollars, I'd be like, okay, well, what proof do you have that people want this, that companies 25 to 100 people want this? And my experience is, I was actually just on a call yesterday with somebody who also wants to target companies 25 to 100 employees. I don't know why that is. Um, different space. But I was like, I've never been a fa founder or manager of a company that big. I think the biggest company I've worked for was Quick Left when they acquired Sprintly. And I think they were 30 to 50 people maybe. Okay. Um, but, you know, I don't know what metrics they're using to figure that stuff out or how expensive it is if they lose somebody. Uh, you know, that, that I've never been there. But if I was you, I would want a... I would want to see some evidence that that group is already in motion in some way, that they are demonstrating their demand through Google searches, through uh, buying other products that are similar for that type of market, mm -hmm. through um, even if you were talking to them and you're, you know, you're, you know, in an interview situations on the customer interview and i know you're really good at these but to add on a little bit of like how are you solving this problem currently uh, well actually let's stop there when you ask yeah. that question what do they say yep so some people say know your team um okay. you familiar with them yeah yep so great it's a great product um and seems like targeted toward the size and type of company i'm interested in but they either say uh know your team spreadsheets uh and google docs um, okay and i think you know a couple of folks i've talked to have, have mentioned uh office vibe um and uh what's the lattice okay um and is is there enough pain, discomfort, unhappiness that this is, so that's, that's the first part of that question. Like, um, how do you know people want this? Yep. The first part is what are they doing now to solve the problem and, or what evidence do you have that they even care enough to solve the problem? This is, mm -hmm. this is the, the issue Derek Reimer ran into with level is that you know, people were interested, the manifesto appealed to them and the headlamp manifesto is going to, going to appeal to anybody that's, uh, <laughs> that, you know, that has their, it's like, do you want your employees to be more engaged? Yes. yes. You know, do you want them to be healthier and leave, 
read healthier lives? Yes, of course I want that. But do your actions match up with that desire? And do they match up at a level that is, you know, going to drive enough traffic and stuff, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we know a little bit about know your team um, in the sense that it's, I think it's a, still a tiny company and product. Uh, for a while, I think, you know, they were making $180,000 a year or 300000 a year. Or I can't remember what it was, but the numbers were relatively low. And that worries me a little bit because that's got the firepower of yeah. the 37 Signals audience. Yep. And, uh, you know, people tell me all the time, like, it must be so easy for you, Justin. You have an audience. And I'm like, there's products all the time that have, you know, all of the, the biggest personal audiences in the world that can't become lucrative. Yep. And so yep. I'm a little bit concerned about that, but maybe you're hitting this at the right time too. So, you know, like uh, there's so many examples of this like community software, like Ning. I don't know if anyone remembers yeah. Ning. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like Ning was there. They had it. They yeah. had it in the pocket. And now, you know, they died. And now there's all these this new wave of forum and community software. And, you know, who knows if it's lucrative enough yet. But mm -hmm. we do know that timing matters. Yeah. But yeah, what do you get a sense of how unhappy folks are with their current solution i in everyone that i've interviewed in terms of being a customer is definitely down uh down market of what i've been describing as the established side of the industry okay um so like these definitely these smaller companies what and do you mean down market down market as in um you mean like there was this market you were targeting before, which was enterprise, but now yeah. you've got huge, huge accounts. And now okay. down market of that is, you know, open like a, a good SaaS offering. Gotcha. And so, yeah. um, oh man, what's the name of the, I had a great, I had a great conversation with this, uh, with this woman a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they, they do all of their stuff internally. They even built something internally to do mm -hmm. this. So pain was great enough that they built an internal product. Yeah. Um, but even, even in that, it wasn't like, Oh and man, yeah, Brian, we got to get this solved right now. Hmm. Um, it was like a known, it's an, it's a known issue. It's a known problem. The upsides yeah. of it are, are evident, but also in the future. And, mm -hmm. you know, people don't, people don't respond to that as quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so it kind of, it kind of has me thinking, Justin, like, maybe, maybe I have, I have accurately identified that this is a recurring and regular issue. Mm -hmm. um, and a market exists, convention conferences exist for this thing, but mm -hmm. they exist at the 500 employee level, 1000, 10,000 employee level. Yeah, and the way you described in a Twitter thread a few weeks ago about what you what you want as a bootstrapper is a slow moving incumbent. Mm -hmm. I'm actually yeah. not. I am not in the wake of a slow moving incumbent way down here. Yeah, I mean that's not a absolute prerequisite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
it's it's like sometimes it's nice to have because for example in the case of forum software let's call it, if if we're in forums uh the second wave of forums well who cleared the way the first way it was discourse they came in they cleared the way they they said here's a new paradigm for forums and you know we're going to connect it to this we're going to do this it actually this is a bad example because forums have are already a category in people's minds um let me find a, a better example a better example might be uh you know all the early membership software plugins right so people at first that wasn't even a category right it was like you either build that custom mm -hmm. or you don't have membership software and gradually that category was defined and as greg kogan says categories aren't like these magical um anointed things they're just words that have we've coalesced around to describe something that a certain sector buys all the time. So I buy CRM software, I buy podcast hosting, yep. I buy membership software. And so sometimes it's helpful to have an incumbent who comes in like Salesforce uh, and says, you know, hey, we are doing whatever they, however they describe themselves, sales CRM, and uh, this is the category and it's on the web. So we can even say it's SaaS sales CRM. And at first people are like, what's SaaS? I don't get it, you know? And in the early days of SaaS, we used to have to, we used to, every SaaS used to have a page about like security and data like that we would yeah. have to show people like, yeah. listen, your data is actually safer with us than it is sitting on a in hard your drive. Closet. In your closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, people never talk about that anymore because the it's established right some big incumbents came in and cleared the way they broke trail and sometimes for bootstrappers that's helpful to have you know somebody who's big and well funded either through an IPO or through venture funding go in and spend all that money educating okay. the public creating uh, you know trying out different categories finding one that works and then proving that the model exists, uh, like doc, uh, is it not, not DocuSign? Uh, DocuSign. Yes. So, I mean, they came in, they, and there was all these, you know, all these competitors at the beginning, they had to spend massive amounts of money getting customers. But, yeah. you know, by the time that Ruben Gamez shows up with doc sketch, DocuSign has, I don't know, like, millions and millions of customers, um, real estate agents, people that use this all the time now, they've created the category. And for Ruben to come in and shave off some of that market is, uh, it's, it, it would be a lot easier than if he had to educate people from the ground up. Right. Right. I, th I think, um, I mean, the, the thing in, the thing in that conversation, um, that came up for me. I mean, it just, it sounds like you're, you're describing Clayton Christensen's theory of disruptive innovation that, um, 
you know, over time, the market matures, the leaders overbuild, overcomplicated because they are doing what they're supposed to do, responding to customer requests, making, mm -hmm. you know, gradual iterations and, and improvements that given enough time are no longer improvements. They're complexities. Yeah. Um, and so or just, or, but it can even be, I think it's sometimes not even as complicated as that, or is, it's just like, this software looks old. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, hey, Janet, can you find us some software that looks better? You know, that has a better UI that yeah. is a little bit fresher. Yes. Um, that's, that was, I think the new crop of forum software, that's their advantage is that discourse just feels kind of old and crusty. Mm -hmm. um, and before that, PHP BB felt old and crusty, <laughs> right? And now it's like, you know, give me, let's give this a nice fresh coat of paint. Let's have a yeah. few new ideas here. Yeah. So it doesn't always even have to be, you know, um, conform to the, the innovator's dilemma. I think sometimes it's just like, give me, like Slack was, Slack was basically a hip chat, but more fun. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a huge innovation. It was just a fresh coat of paint, a, a few new ideas, but the, the basic premise was already there. Uh, if I was hip chat, I'd be pissed, honestly. Totally. Because yeah. it was yeah. like, what did we do wrong? Product <laughs> was solid. Mm -hmm. You know, it worked. It was reliable. It was fast. It was better than and, Skype. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like Slack comes along and, and just says, well, we've got emojis and yeah. GIFs. And that was kind of it. Like the reason team switched is because, I mean, this is a generalization, but a lot of teams, I was on a team that switched. And honestly, so was I. we were on the, we, the rallying cry was from the employees was this just feels more fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we want to have more fun at work. That was it. Yep. Yeah, no, we were on, we were on our, our startup was on hip chat and then Slack came along and it was the hot thing and the designers were pushing for it. And it was mm -hmm. like, I mean, I, we can already was, do all this. The timing was right too, because mm -hmm. at the time design first startups was a really big thing. Yes. Yep. And so I think there was pressure on a lot of software companies and dev shops to be like, oh, let's be thinking design first mm -hmm. and we need to use beautifully designed <laughs> products. Uh, and so all of that kind of played into it. This is, this is why I think the shape of market demand is so hard to pin down and it changes all the time. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that you and I as individual bootstrappers could influence it to any great degree is the part that I am kind of fighting for. Allergic to, right? yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, people on Twitter like to remind me every day that, <laughs> no, it's possible. And it is possible for us to have a certain amount of influence. Um, and certainly the bigger the audience and the bigger community, uh, that, I mean, QAnon is a great example. It, it, given enough, uh, a big enough community, you can create waves for sure. But it's very difficult to do, very unlikely that any of us have that kind of power. Totally. And again, like, even for folks with considerably more influence than you and I, like, 37 signals, they're not the, they, they still need to be riding an existing wave. Yeah. And, um, and these things change over time. So yeah, 
initial traction for Slack, I think was based on this kind of like in the moment, at the moment, we were in this design first startups phase. Everyone wanted to use beautifully designed products. They wanted some of that to rub off on them. Uh, and it was fun. And so that might not, that same strategy might not work now if you wanted to launch a chat app now. Um, and yeah, so I, uh, I think sorry, also I've, I've lost the thread a little bit. Well, the, the instances, the instances of bootstrapped businesses, um, having that level of impact that it those that's as much of an outlier as the unicorn is in the in the venture backed world and so if we're in if if as bootstrappers you know it's it's pretty fashionable to you know <laughs> um take shots at the unicorn model and it's ridiculous that's crazy yeah well it feels like the 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 corollary over here is to i'm going to bootstrap a category creating business. No, you're no, you're not. I mean, yeah. yeah, maybe some of those things have happened before, but they are so exceptional that it proves the rule. You yes. want to find treads to follow along and and find it find your traction. Yeah. I, I think and I do think the exception for this, and I, I, I'm gonna bring this up because Tyler Tringus has been like on my case for this. So I, <laughs> I, I want to at least explore the other side, which is there are occasions where in some corner alley of the world, a bootstrapper will notice some demonstrated effort and will say, oh, that's weird. There's no really no category for this. This is like, um, I don't know, like, end roll credits that are a SaaS. So it's kind of like, it's not really a category. There's, there's categories of like after effects and titling software in that industry, but no one's really doing it like that. Uh, Arvid, uh, Arvid and Danielle with um, yep. Feedback Panda, you know, there's, there's always been a category for that, but for that audience of, you know, English teachers teaching English to Chinese students, this was in some ways a new thing that they were, they were creating. And the important piece is that they, they, there was some demonstrated effort there. And it was niche enough that they didn't really need to have a category because it was like, as long as they could reliably find customers and as long as people talk to each other about it, that was enough. Um, so there is, I think there's exceptions in the sense that, yeah, sometimes you'll happen upon a little, a little niche that has never, um, you know, hasn't really been exposed to the broader world yet. And you'll have this insight of, oh yeah, I could build something for them. There's disadvantages to that too. Like they often grow slower and they often have a, a ceiling, but yeah. Maybe we could back up just a second. What, yeah. like, what's your goal for Headlamp? What are you trying to get out of it? Um, well, I mean, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Good um, answer. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I am not creatively fulfilled doing client work. Mm -hmm. And so the first, I mean, my first goal is to be creatively fulfilled at work. 
you know, mm-hmm. the things that I do, I want it to be. And so it, it needs to be something that I can get excited about working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, this, this topic of happiness at work, I've been interested in for like 15 years now. We spend so mm-hmm. much time at work. It, it's important to me yeah. that I and other people feel like, yeah, I'm doing something good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it needs to be aligned there. This is. Um, but I mean, most importantly, that I would have the the flexibility and the freedom to continue to work for myself while also providing for, you know, my family that's upstairs yeah. and counting on me to, to pull it off. So what's, if you don't mind sharing, like what's the yeah. minimum bar of revenue? Like what, what annual recurring revenue figure do you want to hit to be like, okay, this is kind of my floor uh, and anything above this is great. Mm. Well, uh, Maybe not like ramen profitable. Like ramen no, is still like, like you're still, but like what's like a comfortable annual recurring revenue number? Considering that, I know maybe your take home would be seventy or eighty percent of it. Like, it, for the foreseeable future, or for me to quit doing client work and just go all in? Yeah, I think to quit doing client work yeah. and just to have a floor. Like, what's the where do you kind of need to start? Because it's, it's going to determine, this is like, that, that's the piece, right? It's like, um, if, if there's a handful of companies that are 25 to 100 employees, but they're super hard to get to, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's pretty slow going. Like another thing I'm thinking, just a sidebar here, sorry. I, I've been thinking about this thing of like the long, slow SaaS ramp of death. Yeah. Like we always, yes. we just accept that. And to be yeah. honest, like transistors ramp wasn't that slow. It felt slow for the first six months. And then, um, you know, but a year after we launched publicly, we were both working full time for it. Yep. For tr- transistor felt in retrospect. I'm like, man, that's fast. Yeah. It's yeah. like that that happened quick and also in retrospect, I mean if anyone goes back and listens to those episodes of our show, I was like well, and John too. We were like fucking stressed out for that first 2 years. And so it's like how long can you live in that cuz y'all existential yeah, well, y'all were mapping it out to be like, okay, maybe five years from now yeah. we'll be able to live on this. But and, and your percentage fair, growth just you know, percentages compound. Yeah. And maybe it was good to still have those low expectations, but I mean, Jason Cohen said, if it takes that long, I would not pursue it. Kill the business. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we need to have that narrative a little bit more. And especially if you have a family, you know, you're, you're going to need to hit, you know, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be at least 200,000 or 150,000 yeah. a year yep. in revenue. Yep. And so, you know, 150,000 in revenue is that's 12,500 in MRR a month. And if the product is $49, that's 255 customers. And uh that's doable. Yeah. But um yeah. right now, like do you have any customers yet? I had I had one and they churned out. 
and they turned out okay so this is like this is what you need to get a sense for is mm -hmm. like okay here we go like i've got one this month and then maybe i'll have three the next month right and then five the next month and then 10 the next month and then 15 the next month even that's a pretty healthy growth rate 20 25 <laughs> it's like even like just me coming up with pretend numbers here in in uh in my calculator you know one two three four five six seven. after eight months you might be at 35 people and that's you know 1700 dollars a month yeah so I think that's what I, this is what, when we're weighing how badly do people want this and how do you know, that's mm -hmm. what you want to know. Like, yeah. what is this? And I'm not sure if you've done enough experiments to know for sure. Like there is a world, there is, I don't know how complicated things are, but if I was you and it wasn't too complicated, I think I would release the red, yellow, green check-in system and start charging for it right away and like allow people to sign up for it publicly, do a push on it, mm -hmm. maybe make it lower priced, but just see how hard is that? Because that of everything you've mentioned, that seems to have the most traction. Yep. It's also like the one thing like that i i typically don't like employee engagement uh ideas because i've i've never worked for enterprise so i haven't seen it there but i've seen multiple people over my career try to start these things usually around scheduling one-on-ones and um those companies just don't grow they never hit escape velocity mm -hmm. it's just not enough of a problem um and but when you said that check-in thing, my immediate thought was actually, oh, I would use that with John, my co-founder. And I, I, we, it's hard convincing John to pay for anything, but I would try to convince him to, to pay for it because right now for him and I, our biggest risk is that either of us will not be doing good. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of different vectors to that. Like, just how are you doing in your life? Like, is, is there stuff going on in your personal life that's, you know, shitty? Mm -hmm. um, it's good for us to know that. Is there stuff going on in our interpersonal relationship that's bugging you? Yeah. You know, are you yellow yeah. about us? Well, I need to know that, right? Um, and what are you yellow about? And I know Ben Ornstein does a version of this with mm -hmm. his... Uh, co-founders yep where they have uh you know uh, i like it when i wish you know some and, variation there and yeah i it that yellow red yellow green check-ins and i could also see us using it for our our um contractors too in the sense of especially during covid and you know like we're not, probably not ready to hire anyone full-time right now but if a contractor was checking in with me and it was consistently yellow and, you know, I dug into it, I'm, I'm coming up with scenarios in my head. Uh, you know, I dug into it and they said, and I've done this, I've reached out to contractors and said, Hey, just let me know if, you know, financially or anything, if COVID or the lockdown 
or you're losing clients or whatever is stressing you out, just let me know and I'll see what I can do. But having a, a pulse of that, of like, you know, maybe continual yellows and someone saying, well, I, I'm really not liking my day job and I'm thinking about doing something else and I'm working for you guys as a contractor. Uh, you know, if I see a string of those, I can start to think, oh, wow, well, maybe I should think about trying to hire this person in six months or something. So how are you currently doing that? Just over email or, or do you guys have a Slack channel with your Just contractors? In Slack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in our regular Slack. John and I have a channel called Daily Check-In. Oh, I got two things right now. Um, and daily check-in is mostly where we just talk about stuff we don't want everyone else to read, Mm -hmm. but it's also where we check in with each other and, you know, Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. A little wave in the morning. Um, that's where we both tell each other that we've had crappy sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Have you tried installing like a bot or just no, no, um, no, we haven't. And so that, that's interesting because I haven't actually demonstrated any effort yet, um, except that I tried. Um, I did this on Twitter too, because I I heard you yeah. talking about it. I was like, oh, I'm just going to try a big giant experiment here. <laughs> Saw that ask, thread. Ask people how they're doing, you know, red, yellow, green, and that was interesting actually. Um, and I've done that in our transistor Slack as well. So yeah, I think I've, I've t- dipped our toes in this mm-hmm. and we've tried doing the Ben Ornstein method. Um, but we just couldn't get it off the ground. Yeah. We tried in- including it as questions at the end of our phone call, like after we've done recording the podcast, mm-hmm. but it hasn't worked for us yet. It feels like it's one of those areas I wouldn't mind having some rails, you know, like, yeah, just like do this <laughs> and, and, you know, help us figure out how healthy in our case, uh, each of us are. And then if we did get employees, you know, we would carry that in, in there. So anyway, that I don't, we're, okay. we're probably not a good market, but I'm just, I'm just talking out loud about, yeah how that seemed to resonate and would be worth testing. Yeah, it, it would definitely, it would definitely be worth testing. I think, I think the thing that's come out of this conversation that I am really feeling challenged on and wanting to test is per, maybe this realization of, you know, I think, or I thought that I was building a, a, a super simple, straightforward tool that will outdo the overcomplicated competitors. Mm-hmm. But I, but those competitors are, it's not where I'm competing. And so I'm thinking like, I've been saying 25 to 100, I need to start thinking 500 to a thousand. Mm. I need to go up so that I do look like the cool, straightforward, simple, innovative newcomer. I mm-hmm. don't necessarily look like that to, other, you know, startups who are themselves building innovative tools. So yeah. maybe I need to go up. What is your gut? Yeah. I mean, that's a great, even, even look at what I was trying to do. I was like trying to help you 
carve out a niche on the low end of the market. I'm like, I'm like, and maybe that's still a good way to go because there is some interest there, but there's not what you're missing there is demonstrated demand. Yeah. But you have experience that, that were and connections and a network in that other level. And generally I think that's the better way to go is to go if, cause it's such a risk what we're doing. You're spending months of your life building something, writing content for something with no pay, <laughs> hoping that it's going to give you some sort of return. And I think a lot of my entrepreneurial life, I was looking for something that would just give me enough, you know, like, oh, okay, that's like, yeah. you know, if I can just make this work, um, and work really hard and, you know, it, and inevitably, I think that's hard to do. It's just going to lead to, you know, you're just always rebooting and rebooting mm -hmm. and rebooting mm -hmm. and, or you're, you're trying to build something that is just taking too long or just never doesn't have the floor that you're looking for, like doesn't get you to the point, but you but now you have another problem, which is you have a bunch of people paying and you're making $2,500 in MRR. And the, it's, it's the return on investment. I think bootstrappers need to consider more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is like the age old question, like when do you fold? And I think we need to think more about when we fold. Um, so yeah, if, if there's, so when you're placing bets, and you've already been in an industry and you've already had experience selling a product and you know the ins and outs and you have connections and you even have like, I like one thing about transistor that was nice is I, I had existing friends I could go to and say, Hey, you're already hosting a yep. podcast. Why don't you just switch it to us? Yep. And, uh, you know, and if you can't convince your friends to switch, it's like, how am I going to convince anyone else? <laughs> convince total strangers. Yeah. Yeah. So, that might be something to think about is um, maybe you need to go up market, but then you've got to accept everything that means yes, right. for you personally. And again, all of these things are like, which arena do you want to fight in? Like you get to choose wit, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, if I have the choice between competing in gymnastics or snowboarding, I'm gonna choose snowboarding because <laughs> yeah. I just have no experience in gymnastics. It's just, it's gonna be a much harder uh, arena for me to compete in. Uh, but at the same time, I know enough about competitive snowboarding that like I've been in that, that sport forever. But if you ask me like, okay, now this is, I'm, I'm, I'm creating an analog to you going upstream and going to the enterprise. If you said, Justin, you've got to compete at an Olympic level. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I, I'm I can't. I yeah. like, I mean, yeah. I'm sure I could like work really hard and get better, but for, for me to reach mm -hmm. that, it's just, I know that's not me. So I think those are some of the dynamics you want to consider. And uh, yeah, that the, there's pros and cons, right? To 
to all of that. You have to feel that out. Luckily, you have some experience. So you know what it's like to go into those kind of sales negotiations. Yep. You yep. know what, how long it might take. Um, the, the benefit, maybe what you want to do is, is get someone to sign on right now and pay you one of those beefy contracts, which right. is like, yep. hey, you've, I know you're paying this right now and I know you don't like it. And if you guys prepay for a year, um, then you can use headlamp and that will give you some runway. Totally. So th there's ways for you to uh, put a line in the sand mm -hmm. and figure out, am I going to, you know, am I going to keep going on this or is it time to, you know, maybe, maybe call it, call it and look for something yeah. else. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Well, um, I want to take up any more of your time. I uh, really oh, enjoyed the, I, I thought we were just getting going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will say like, uh, I know this is so hard when you're in it, mm -hmm. but like if I was going to, if I was going to, I would bet on you as a founder long-term for sure, because I think you've got what it takes to keep trying things. You're good at networking. You're good at reaching out to people. You're good. And it, people like you get to success because in the midst of doing things and trying things, they stuff happens and they notice things and, you know, eventually something reveals itself. And, you know, like right before transistor, I was trying to, I was trying to, you know, uh, market tiny marketing wins this, this online course and membership mm -hmm. thing. And it was a disaster, like, um, <laughs> you know, but it was the best option I had at the time and it was paying enough of my bills that it was worth, like, it was a complete, slog it was not a good business but it was paying enough of the bills and you know doing enough that it was okay while i was looking for my next move and once my next move revealed itself i was all in like i just put yeah. all my chips i was just like yep i'm in um and uh so i think for you personally it might still be worth it to experiment with this a little bit um uh, in the absence of other options, there's nothing wrong with going, Hmm, okay, well, I'm going to keep pushing this down the road and seeing where it goes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll keep developing that red, yellow, green check-in thing and see how that works. You know, like there's just things you can do while you're in motion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the key is, you know, when, you know, it's like if you're paddling on a river, you know when you hit the good, like the good momentum, right? It's like you're kind of going along slowly and all of a sudden this current just picks you up and you're like, whoa, we are cooking now. Um, and maybe you had just been portaging for 20 kilometers. You know what it feels like to get caught up in a good current. And uh, yeah, part of the key, I think, for entrepreneurs is to just, you got to be out there with your canoe or you're never going to yeah. find it. Mm -hmm. And most, you know, most people who are out there with their canoe eventually find some good water. Uh, it just takes, it, you know, it takes some time. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the 
the kind words. Um, and, uh, and I'm so glad to have gotten, I, I, I quit counting, but maybe like a dozen Justin Jackson metaphors along the <laughs> <laughs> parables along the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're hopefully they're helpful. <laughs> they are. In, no, it's good. It's in good. the sense, like, I guess no, anyone who's never paddled on a river, uh, it's like a lot harder. Well, like, well, if all you've ever done is paddle on lakes. I don't have anything for you. But if you've ever paddled <laughs> on a river, yeah. I feel like uh, portaging for twenty kilometers was a pretty Canadian thing to say. So oh. is that yeah? Is that not a word in the states? Uh, I have always read it as portaging, but, oh. um, you know, Oh, that's hilarious. I wonder how you also, I mean, you also say JavaScript, so. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> in Canada, even there's Canadians that go like, Justin, you don't talk right here either. So, uh, I, I would say, port how do you guys say it? I say portage. Well, I say portage. portage. I mean, but I, but I'm oh. not a canoeer. I mean, I, um, I've only like wow. when I does, read it. How does Google say it? Oh, let's, Google let's, says portage. Okay. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> let's solve this right now. Let's solve it. You might have to put it a clip. Is. No, no. People, you might have to put a clip in. Oh, yeah. Later. I'll like, I'll record it and, and drop it in here and <laughs> we'll let people vote. Portage. 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 Put it in a poll. I think it's port okay. portaging. What did I say? No, I can't even. You said portage. <laughs> Portage, yeah. because to me it feels it's French, portage. Yep. Though so I'm just like slightly anglicizing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, no, yeah. You, if, you make it. You make a strong case. I'm not <laughs> saying that you don't. No wonder but, nobody understands me. Half the time, people are like, "What is what? he saying? Like, what is this?" <laughs> <laughs> great. It was great to be with you, Brian. Thanks. Oh man, man. thanks so much. Appreciate it. Hope to talk again sometime soon.